0: This, as we uh, introduce this service, uh, just a new thing for us. And so we pray that God will bless all the churches that are going through uh, creativity creativity to be able to perform and prepare these services this week. How do you have calm in the midst of a storm? The coronavirus has thrown our world into a sudden storm. And how we face the storm and how we exit the storm Depends on our view of our heavenly shepherd. Let us never forget that life thrusts us into different situations. We, like the disciples, see God and ask for his help. When we do hear him, when he speaks, here's what he'll say to our storm three words peace, be still. And so, when we looked at our storm today, this last few weeks, and as we look forward to still battling away through the storm, we need those three words, peace be still. How do we respond to this challenge, COVID-19? Jerry Gifford offers the following response in his message, God in the Face of Disaster. He writes, there are various responses that people can have as they face disaster. He writes, the atheist has a response. Richard Dawkins says it like this, Human life is nothing more than just a way for selfish genes to multiply. When disaster happens, it's just nature too bad. Then there's the philosopher's response. When tragedy hits, the philosopher says, If God is God, he is not good. If God is good, he is not God. The philosopher would say, God can be good or he can be powerful, but he can't be both at the same time. Then there's the legalist response. The person that says suffering is the result of sin. The legalist always looks away that you have to blame somebody for this situation. That was true of the legalist in Jesus' day in John chapter 9 when there was a man who was born blind and the legal Pharisee says, whose fault is this? Then there's a liberal religion response. Some blame God. Some assign evil to God, say it's his fault. Some say suffering is just really a mental state of mind. Then there's the Christian response. The Christian response is this. The Christian trusts the wisdom and the sovereignty of an almighty God, recognizing and never denying our God is in control. We believe in a sovereign God. In Psalm chapter 23, the three words we said earlier for the disciples, peace be still, the psalmist David discovered three words that would change his life in time of fear. And it simply is, the Lord is. The Lord is. Listen to what he says, what the Lord is in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me along the right path for his namesake. And even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. How to have calm in the midst of a storm. We see a few things in David's story here about calm, the calming factor of God. The Lord is the one who calms our focus. The Lord is the one who calms our focus. The Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. When life is difficult, it's easy to focus on things. Wouldn't we all agree? It's easy to say when you're hurt, that's all you want to talk about. You have pain. It's easy to see all the problems when you have problems that all you want to talk about are the problems you're going through or the pressures you have. And then sometimes people look back and look at all the past difficulties of life and they focus on that. Sometimes we've got to adjust our focus. And I think this time, as we go through this virus challenge, it's a time for all believers and all people of God to adjust their focus and remember that we are sheep, we're not shepherds, which means this, we're not in control. We're not in control. What happens when you look through eyes of sheep? What did they see when they followed the shepherd? First, I think they, they focused on food. And you think about all the lines at the grocery stores, how many of us have been shopping because what are we focused on? Food. We want to guarantee that if this lasts for several weeks that we got something to chew on <laughs> we have to make sure we get our calories they focus the sheep focus on everyday needs and, and they they looked for a pasture to eat some place to produce food they focused also on frustration the everyday anxiety And if we were honest, if we could put some kind of meter on this, this virus, this worldwide pandemic has increased the level of anxiety to every person out there. You get a little pain, you think, am I sick? You have a little sniffle, you think, have I got it? You worry about the person that coughs next to you and all kinds of anxiety, and it puts us in the land of fear and not the land of faith. They focused on following. This is a choice they had to make. Every sheep had to make an everyday decision when they wake up in the morning, there's a shepherd out there, and they had to make a choice to follow the shepherd. For sheep, the safest way for them to focus on their life and to focus on their needs would be to follow the shepherd, to keep the shepherd in view, to not get out of eye distance with the shepherd. And I think that if we could look at a a wonderful message we could take out of this, God is saying to the world, Wait a minute, you're not in control. Maybe our world needs to readjust its focus and find God again. To find the life shepherd they need again. Focus on the shepherd in the time of the storm. Focus on him to calm and give you calm in times of chaos. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, When you want to just get your focus right, look away from all those things around you. And seek first the kingdom of heaven. Then all your other needs will fall into place. Maybe God is saying to our world, let's readjust our focus, folks. I'm God. I'm up here. You've looked away long enough. I want to make you look back to me again. Years ago, we took our only son, Brian, who's the music uh, minister here and associate pastor. We took him to Sunday Lake Park for the fireworks show. Firework show. Uh, it was a great event. The cars were everywhere. It was crazy. And we, ha- we were having a great time. Until the first boom happened. And Brian pulled his hand out of mine and took off running for the woods. Through cars and danger and all kinds of trees and mire and stuff like that. And Sue and I panicked. We started screaming his name and tried to scream louder than the crowd. Tried to scream louder than the booms going around us. By God's amazing grace, we found him. And when we found him, we got him back to our car as the fireworks were still going on, and we spoke loud enough for our neighbors next to us to hear this, we told our son this sermon. Son, when you're afraid, don't run from us, run to us. And I would say that's the lesson that we can take out of this. People, I am your God. When you're afraid, don't run from me, run to me. Psalm 121 says this, I will lift my eyes to the hills. We sang about it. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord is the one who calms. The Lord is the one who calms our focus. The Lord is also the one who calms our fears. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, in fact, the King James translation even says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that even in the, the scariest moments of life, the Lord is. There are many things we are not, but God is everything. He's all we need. David discovered calm in the face of his greatest fears, and considered the things he could have been afraid of. He could have been out in the woods and the wandering, as he had following the sheep and being a shepherd there himself. He could he had the fear of darkness. I don't know about you, I I'm I'm a person that doesn't like darkness. I like to collect flashlights. I have them all around. I have one in my pocket right now, just in case the lights go out, we can shine it. You know, Uh, there are many dark valleys that all of us walk through on the journey of life. The coronavirus virus has plunged our world into a dark valley. But God's still there. There's the fear, not only of danger, but darkness, but of danger. I mean, think about David. Out there in the wilderness, there was no police to call if he was afraid. There was no army he could trust, no weapon of any measure that he could use, and no medicine he could take to take away his fear. He simply had this truth. God, God will take care of me. It's like the old song we used to sing, God will take care of me, no matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon his breast, God will, God will take care of you. We need to remember that as we face our fears, we still have God. We still have God. He had the fear of darkness, the fear of danger, and he had the fear of death. As I said, the King James says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no danger, fear no evil. Every summer I speak at children's camps uh, and have a great time. I was at Tejas Camp years ago. Brian was the minister of music that week, and we stayed in a cabin that was located backed up against a little creek. And one night as we walked from our cabin to go to the worship area of about 300 students, Sue and I were on the dark path, and Brian with us, and Sue, amazingly by God's grace, saw a snake, and she jumped up over the snake. I had a flashlight, which I always do. I had a flashlight that shined it down there, and right below her foot, as we walked away from it, there was a live, ready-to-go copperhead. Brian went and got a three-legged stool out of one of the cabins that they used to play the piano or something, and he got the three-legged stool, and he killed that snake, and another one, and another one. Throughout the week, they found several snakes all in the building. There was, it was snake-infested. It was a terrible week, dangerous week. But I still remember that first night. Right outside of our porch in that cabin in the woods, there were three copperheads. We tried to go to sleep that night, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? Well, I did something really silly. I, took, I had a lantern, and a battery operator, and I put it up underneath our bed and turned it on. I wanted to be able to see. I kept all the lights on in the whole place. And I thought as I prepared for that there is no way I could sleep in the face of the danger right around me and threatening me that time. But we did sleep, and we slept because of one reason. We slept with the lights on. The Bible teaches that we need to follow Jesus, who's the light of the world. And the Bible says this, if you're afraid if of darkness, if you're afraid of danger, afraid of your difficulty, and all the things you're going through, just turn the light on. And let me tell you how to turn the light on. John chapter 8, verse 12, turns the light on this darkness that we're facing and removes our fears. We turn this light on in John chapter 8, verse 12. He who follows me will never be in darkness. You don't have to be in darkness. So the Lord is the one who calms our fears. He calms our focus. And the Lord is the one who also does this for us. He calms the one and calms and controls our future. The Bible says this in verse 6, Only goodness... Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The future is not dim when you know you have eternity to enjoy. We see it brightly. Only goodness and faithful love. David saw his future secure. I mean, think about David. He, he wasn't secured by the stock market and neither are we. He wasn't secured by his retirement plans and we are not. He had no vacation plans to cancel. He was simply surviving. And he had no government programs to trust or distrust. He simply had to look and put his face toward God and trust in an almighty, sovereign God to watch over him. In his future, he saw three words like the disciples did on the Sea of Galilee. They they heard, peace be still. He heard over and over these words again, these three words, the Lord is, the Lord is. Is. May we forgive and get that in our mind and never forget those words. The Lord is. How should we see our future? We should see our future in, not, in God's strength, not our own. The Lord is. Our only goodness, only goodness will follow me. We should remember that in the face of all this, there's some things that really stand out. The quality of people and responses of people and businesses has been a character demonstrating thing in our wonderful country. But we also should know this, that we have a God who's there. He is a good God. We should always remember and never fear that God's goodness is going to go away because God is close. As long as we're close to God, we experience the goodness of His protection. We should see our future filled with love, not just with strength, but love. The Bible says that faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I think sometimes maybe that during these times that God's love pursues people. He chases us and finds us and says, I want to remind you, I love you. God loves you. If you're hearing this online and you're watching in your home right now, I want you to know that God says to you, I love you. I'm watching out for you. I'll protect you. We should see our future filled with love and filled with his future. And we should see our future full of life. Just see the life that he gives. The Bible says this, when David closed this out in verse 6, here's what he said. He said, when I just sum it all up, the only thing that really matters in life is that you have somewhere to go beyond life. Because everybody has an end to life. But David said it like this. He concluded, saying, and I'm not worried about dying. David said, I am worried about dwelling. Where is my eternal dwelling place? And that's a question that everybody that hears this needs to ask. Have you settled it with God to secure your eternal dwelling place? Here's what David did. And I, because of my shepherd, because I'm focused on my shepherd, I will dwell in the house of the Lord for as long as I live. He wasn't talking just about this life. He was talking about eternal life. Because we live beyond death if we're a believer in Jesus. We're not seeking death. We're seeking life. Years ago I was taking care of our first grandson, Brennan, and uh, one thing I found when I was babysitting grandchildren, this is a lesson for all of us to learn, sometimes the easiest thing, is instead of chasing him, put him in a car so he can go right around town. And so we put him in the back, I put him in the back of the car. Say just me and him together, and we sang little songs together, goofy songs, I make up songs and, and we laughed and had a good time. And and I thought, well, you know, I'm kind of a hyperactive person, and I thought I'm here, I'm keeping my grandson, it's Saturday afternoon, I better multitask. So I decided I would have my car wash while he's in the back seat, so I pulled in one of those car washes and where you stay in the car and all those things hit you. And so we were having a great time laughing, and suddenly as we pulled in the car wash, a storm of suds began to hit the car. Then these brushes slap around and kick around and, and all kinds of noise, and it was dark. And suddenly I remember looking at the back of that little boy in that car seat. First I saw fear. And then I saw tears. But I couldn't get to him because I couldn't make it my way through the storm. I couldn't open the door with all those things hitting me because I was too weak, too, too in, in, incapable of reaching him. And so I could not wait till we pulled out of that place to where the storm calmed and then I could rescue him. We got through the last cycle and the wind was blowing. He's still crying. In fact, the wind scared him more than anything else. And the wind sometimes of life the battles of life blow across us and it scares us in our heart, shivers in our heart is afraid, and we're fearful and we cry. I could not wait. Normally I would be anticipating, I can't wait to dry the cars off with a blow dryer, didn't do it. I'd have rags out there and I would have left them in there and talked to them. I would have dried the windows. But I had one, one heartfelt goal that I wanted when I got out of that storm. Open the door, get to my grandson, take him out of the seat and hold him. I tried to calm him with words, it didn't happen. The one thing that he wanted, he wanted to be held. Maybe David's story is your story. Maybe the storm story of a grandson in a wash is your story. You're afraid, you're hurting, you're fearful, and maybe you're crying. Maybe we should maybe sing a little song that Ryan Stevenson sings. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. And so as we consider this, may each of us find the truth that in God, in our shepherd, we can have calm in the midst of the storm. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray you'd bless us as we continue this service, as we um, spend time sharing together and spend time ministering together your word. I pray you'd bless all the things we talked about. I pray you'd bless the things we shared, the songs we sing and sang. I pray you'd help us to see exactly what you want us to see and get. I pray you'd bless us as we go out from this place today, as we go through different challenges. We pray you'd be with us. We pray you'd help us to get all the truth we need and help us to follow you in everything we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This is not the conclusion of our service, but we want to just share with you that we have some information to share with you and want you to know that I want to challenge our members to be involved in in, in giving. Uh, All this is going on but the lights are still on and and things are still going on so please keep uh, the needs of the church and the needs of others. Be giving to them. And while we're worshiping in one location we should remember we should be in multiple locations. We are one together unified in our giving efforts. I also want to encourage you to give to the needs of members of the community who are affected by this situation. I've already heard of a few church members who've been checking on their neighbors. I've already heard of people checking on people who need meals, taking meals to shut-ins and the elderly, and reaching out sometimes just by phone, a conversation or a text to those who may be lonely. Let's serve God during this. Giving comes with a promise. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says, You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. I also want you to know that this Wednesday we'll have a live prayer service. Uh, I'll have a Bible study at 6.30 and followed by a Bible study that, you, that you, in response to prayer time. You can call in your prayer requests and make those known. Now I'm going to turn the service over to Brian, our associate pastor, to tell us how to make all these methods and procedures happen about how to give and how to watch on Wednesday. So Brian, if you will just tell us all that and then come back and share with us uh, a concluding prayer. In this unique time, we're having to reinvent the way